When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's never just business. It's always personal when it's your company. So this process has not been simply, okay, I'm an accountant leaving this one accountant job to go find another accountant job. It's ending what has been an all-consuming piece of the last eight years. You're listening to How To. I'm Amanda Ripley. So if you've gone out into the world at all these days, you've probably seen all the help wanted signs. I saw one at a pretty nice restaurant the other day here in DC, and it said, we're hiring busboys, servers, cooks, hosts, and dishwashers. <laughs> Absolutely no experience necessary. And I was thinking, how is this place even open? It's a wild time. Within the last year and a half, we've seen punishingly high numbers of people who can't find a job. And that's improved a lot, but there are still 10 million job openings and seven and a half million unemployed workers. The pandemic has pushed some people out of jobs and sent other people totally rethinking what kind of work they're willing to do. Just like this week's listener, he's trying to make a career pivot for the first time in his adult life. And it's been kind of harrowing so far. My name is Jono. I'm a co-founder and CEO of a shoe company and am currently a job seeker for the first time in about eight years. Jono started his shoe company, Soul to Soul, that's S-O-U-L to S-O-L-E, as a passion project. So I was trying to go to a Cubs game and dress myself head to toe in Cubs gear because that's the kind of fan that I am. <laughs> and uh, I looked in my closet and I had everything I needed. I had a, a jersey and even pants, but I did not have shoes. And so I thought, this is seriously lacking for fans. So Jono teamed up with a Chicago artist to fill that void, eventually providing unique footwear for 13 major universities with dreams of expanding to pro sports teams. But it was a startup. It essentially consisted of two people hustling to create these shoes into existence. And as the CEO, Jono was pretty much a jack of all trades, which was fun until it wasn't. When the pandemic shut down a lot of college sporting events, revenue took a major hit. This summer, Jono and his co-founder reluctantly decided they had to shut down the company. The process of closing it down is, is definitely different than any other kind of um, job change or career change. And then the, the next step of what do you salvage from it and, and how do you go forward is definitely a question mark. Yeah, yeah. So it's bigger than letting go of a job. It's, it sounds like it's mm -hmm. letting go of uh, an identity, you know, <laughs> healthy obsession, it sounds like. Is that right? Uh, healthy at times, unhealthy, <laughs> unhealthy at, other at others, right? But transitioning from CEO to just an employee isn't as easy as he thought. I was interviewing for a position, and I had answered 
all the questions um, that I felt were relevant to the interview and just said, okay, well, I think that about does it. Let's uh, talk <laughs> later on or whatever. And I tried to drive the meeting. And Yeah, sure. I mean, that's eight years of muscle memory of running mm-hmm. the meetings. I'm curious, how did the person on the other end react when when you sort of were taking over, <laughs> taking over the interview? The look on the face said one thing, which was um, uh, shock and, and maybe concern. But then um, he was very polite in the um, in his response, which simply was, "Well, I have a few more questions, actually." And then, and then that's when it hit me that, "Oh, right, this is different." <laughs> <laughs> did you ever hear back from that job, or no? Yeah, I did. They decided to go in another direction. So far, Jono hasn't gotten a lot of traction in his job search, and he's not sure why. It seems like every day he reads a new headline about all the job openings out there. So why can't he get one? Jono's got less than two months at this point to find a job before he's in real money trouble. So on today's show, how do you successfully relaunch your career when the clock is ticking? The average person spends a third of their life at work It affects our identity, our sanity, our sense of purpose, not to mention our financial security. So we found an expert who's made a career out of, well, changing careers, and now coaches people hoping to do the same. He'll tell us how to rebrand yourself in your cover letter, how to weave a compelling story for your job interview, and a bunch of other tips to land that dream gig. So dust off your resumes and break out your blazers. Career class is in session. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Our expert this week is Joseph Liu, and his first major career transition happened at Georgetown University Medical School just two weeks after he started. 
I went to the white coat ceremony and I was fully enrolled in, I remember we were studying embryology and was in gross anatomy and, and um, dissecting cadavers, held the human heart in my hands. And it, it became very, very clear to me, I was not on the right path. Joseph's parents had immigrated from Taiwan and had high expectations for their son. And I think I'm kind of generalizing here, but in the Asian American culture, becoming a doctor is definitely up there. Nobody wants to, to have a story where you quit. But that's exactly what Joseph did. After walking out of medical school, he took a kind of winding path. He tried his hand at health policy at first, then he got an MBA, and then spent seven years in marketing. Worked at Clorox. I sold things like Glad trash bags and uh, liquid plumber drain opener, and then made a, a major geographical pivot to move out to London um, to be with my then girlfriend, now wife. And then a few years later, made another pivot, which was to leave the corporate world behind to then start my own business. Joseph is now a personal branding consultant and the host of a podcast called Career Relaunch. So it's safe to say Joseph knows a little something about what Jono is going through. And the very clear theme that I have experienced both myself and with other people is that there's not only practical challenges in pulling off a career pivot, but there's the whole emotional side of it that you got to layer on top of everything else you're going through. Right. Everybody is going to do this yeah. many times. Like if it hasn't happened to you yet, if you haven't had to reinvent your career and your identity, you know, sit tight because you will. <laughs> That's just the nature of this economy that we're in. And I think you're right that we underestimate the hit that we take um, emotionally. And uh, that can make us make bad decisions, right, if we're not careful. Like I remember when I left being on staff at Time Magazine after 10 years and decided to be a freelance author and, and journalist for lots of good reasons. I really struggled with this really, it's seemingly simple detail of what do I say when I reach out to people? Right. <laughs> like, who am I? Yeah, what do you, you call know? yourself? Like I, yeah. yeah, yeah, I needed some affiliation. And I got kind of fixated on it. Like, do I have value in this world if I don't work for a place that everybody recognizes instantly and or have a title that people think is important? Um, so there's like a huge opportunity there, but it's also can be really humbling. It will rarely make sense logically to upend your career path that you've invested years of time and energy and money into. And I think when it starts to affect the rest of your life or your relationships or your well-being or your emotional stability, that's a sign when you may need to, uh, to move on. And that's what I started to feel. I was just very, very unhappy, wasn't sleeping well, thinking that I was going to go down this path. And people kind of look at you funny, like, what are you thinking? Mm -hmm. My father was uh, immensely disappointed, but supportive. Uh, at the same time, I'll never forget, he told me, he said, you can do this and you can walk away from this, but just be aware that your life is going to be a total mess for a while. And he was right. Jono, as you're listening to this, does anything resonate? Yeah. So the interesting question of when do you know to switch gears? And I've had to reflect on that because part of the process is the self-doubt that will creep in of what if I just put in a little bit more work and maybe I'm just, you know, in a bad rut. And, and how do you know when it's actually uh, something that is, uh, it's not adding to your world, but, but rather taking it away. And the best analogy I've been able to come up with to date 
Is it similar when you know a relationship is over? I can't tell you exactly when um, or exactly how, but I'm, uh, I've fallen out of love with it and it's time to move on. Yeah, that sounds right. And also there's a lot of advice out there, right? To entrepreneurs, it's like, never quit, never, ever give right. up. It's like, wait, <laughs> except when you should, right? I mean, that's, so there's like a paradox at work there. Um, and even the best version of the business in my mind would still mean the majority of my time was spent not doing the aspects of the work that I enjoyed. For me, that's really when I started to to question whether or not I wanted to stay in this relationship. Hmm. So that too sounds like the analogy holds, right? You're thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. Do I want to spend the rest of my life in this relationship? <laughs> you we know? were not ready to move in together. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Jono's uh, analogy of the relationship is actually a really good one. Use it as an opportunity to hone in on exactly what is it that I want from my life and my career at least for the next chapter of my career. Maybe I don't have things figured out for the rest of my life, but just for the next chapter of my career, what do I want to have? What are the absolute musts and what are the nice to haves? So here's our first rule. Remember that if you are miserable in your job and it's affecting your relationships and the rest of your life, trust your gut. If you aren't excited by the future, this job isn't the one. Just know that the transition is going to be messy. Yeah, so that hits the nail right on the head. It's a process and you have to trust it and it's going to take a while. In theory and, and intellectually, you can know that, but then just the emotional up and down when, let's say, you don't get called back for an interview or something you were excited about doesn't come through. Yeah, and I totally hear you that not getting, not hearing back from a job application, it can feel like a day might go by and it might feel like a year has gone by. And, and it's frustrating to not, to not get any callbacks. To help boost your odds, Joseph says it's really important to diversify your job search. Basically, don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's fine to submit your resume to those big online job boards, but you also gotta talk to real humans. Yeah beyond job boards and uh, networking, which networking I actually think is gonna be one of your most effective tactics, especially as a non-traditional candidate. But in addition to that, you could even attend virtual conferences, um, perhaps surrounding yourself with, with people who are doing the kinds of things that you wanna do. Another one you may wanna consider is working with headhunters or recruiters, just as another way to, to do diversify so that you've got a few different irons in the fire, and that might alleviate a little bit of the, uh, the angst when, when one of those doesn't end up materializing maybe as, as quickly as you would like it to. But as anyone in the midst of a job hunt can tell you, all of this can feel really overwhelming. So while it's important to have a lot of lines in the water, you also got to figure out what you're fishing for. Joseph recommends looking at the five basic components of a job. There's the location, there's the industry, the company, the function, and the role. And sometimes figuring out like of those five, which are the most important to you and which ones are you fairly agnostic. So for example, one industry might be the apparel industry. 
as an example, but maybe you don't really care where you work or vice versa. Maybe the location of where you are really matters to you a lot, but you're kind of industry agnostic. Donna, do any of those immediately jump out like, yes, this one's super important to me? I suppose industry, and and I say that only because my, my focus lately has been trying to find a fit with either a political organization or a nonprofit. My desire is hopefully to work on a problem that is bigger than just outfitting fans would be ideal. So <laughs> the other thing that I do know for sure since this process has started is that I want to be a, a part of a larger team. That's a good place to start. And and the more specific you can be, Jono, I think the better. If you cross paths with a recruiter, one of the questions that probably going to be one of the first three questions they'll ask you is what are you looking for? And that's so annoying. Yeah, because most <laughs> people don't know, right? We have, I have no idea what I'd want to do. But if you think about it from the perspective of a recruiter, they are more likely to A, want to work with a candidate who knows what he wants, and B, hmm. you're going to be more likely to come to mind if a relevant role pops up, if you've identified that as one of your target roles. Here's our next rule. Specificity is key. Even if you're really not sure what you want to do, come up with a story that you can tell other people. It's okay if it changes over time. Joseph's motto is lead with focus, end in openness. The best way that I can illustrate this <laughs> is if you, if you think about your sea of friends out there. Okay, so for example, I got a friend of mine who's a buddy of mine from college. And he's a huge fan of Radiohead, okay? Uh, and let's say I got another friend and she likes Radiohead, but she also likes Ed Sheeran and, and uh, Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift and Opera and, and the Despacito guys. And <laughs> if, if Radiohead's coming to town, who am I calling? I, I mean, <laughs> I'm calling friend number one because that is his number one musical artist. And so job recruitment works very similarly. This is, this is so interesting. If I'm understanding you right, you're saying, Joseph, that maybe, maybe not take it so literally, right? Like part of this is storytelling and the way recruiters and other people remember you is from a story. And even if actually you could tell 17 different stories, yes. telling one story is a way to break through. That's exactly right. And that, that is the nature of branding. And that's the nature of personal branding is that specificity is what tends to sell. It's very counterintuitive, but it actually gives people a starting point. Once you've crafted a narrative to tell other people, it's time to get super practical in your own mind. Start gaming out your best and worst case scenarios. What would be on my A-list of potential opportunities that I would consider? And I understand that part of the challenge is, well, I have no idea what's gonna be on the A-list, but to try to figure out if these top choices don't work out, what would be a good plan B or C that I feel I could live with? I'm fairly confident I could land something in this space. And sometimes just having that fallback in place clearly defined on paper can, can be somewhat reassuring because it, it can take a little bit of the, the desperation out of the equation. No, that makes sense. And, and one of the things that I know that I've gotten hung up on is this need to try and find 
the right answer as if there is only mm-hmm. one right answer and trying and to find the your right soulmate. answer for <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly um and having that kind of understanding so that you don't feel that you've lost the dream job by accepting one that you don't necessarily want for the moment is an interesting way to to frame it and i think that could be useful yeah i, I actually i actually do think it makes a lot of sense to start with the A-list. I look at these things as a bit of an energy exercise also. And, and you've only got a finite amount of energy for each application. So I, I think it makes sense to start with the A-list and also to maybe, yeah, parallel path and, and have a few backups in place. So let's say you're doing all the things. You've narrowed down your search field by looking at those job components and deciding which matter most, whether it's location or industry or the role. And you've diversified your job hunting strategies, resolving to tell one story, not 17, and come up with your A-list jobs, but also a B and C list of backups. That's an amazing start. But what about the dreaded resume rewrite and the cover letter? Is that even still a thing? We've got answers. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. We're back with our expert, Joseph Liu, and Jono, our CEO turned job hunter. One of the biggest challenges in finding a new job, just like finding a new relationship, is dealing with all the rejection. How do you keep hope alive when no one is calling you back? Yeah, that's been an interesting experience. There, there Originally, when I was first applying, there was actually, to a certain degree, a sense of arrogance when I would read job descriptions and I would think, yeah, that's, that's one-fifth of what I do in a day. Of course right. I do that, no problem. And I would send in these resumes and then not hearing back or or having it be um you know not well received or whatever the case may be then then the insecurities creep in and you think okay well sure i i did all of these things but maybe the only thing i can do are in this case sneakers right mm-hmm. like part of the experience has been trying to manage uh, either the confidence or the doubt 
Yeah, you and everyone else, man. This is <laughs> yeah, this is hard. Club, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rejection is never. Yeah. Well, rejection is one thing. I, I, hearing absolutely nothing back and chirping crickets is is. I mean, we've all been there. I've been there. It's. Uh, yeah, it's not fun. What do you What do you think about this, Joseph? Like, how, how do you How do you know if you're overqualified or underqualified? And then if something doesn't pan out, how do you learn from the experience? Yeah. Well, un- unfortunately, you never really know. But find a way to to act as if you are the candidate for each role that you're applying to and to act as if because of the fact that you've come from an entrepreneurial background, that actually perfectly positions you for the role. And people might feel that from you and that that might make the difference. It's interesting. Again, it kind of sounds like dating, right? Like if it's when you're not desperate that people pick up on that <laughs> yeah. and want to be with you, right? Yep. Like you just got to, And it's also a numbers game to some degree. Like you got to go on a lot of dates until you you find <laughs> until you find a match. I'm wondering, Jono, how many resumes do you think you've sent out at this point if you had to guess? Probably, I think I was averaging maybe 1 to 2 a day in earnest since July. So, who's got a calculator on them? That would be a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> a good a good amount. Jono actually sent us his resume, and it looks pretty different from the traditional resumes you might see. Instead of listing his work experience in chronological order, he just listed his one position as CEO of the shoe company. So the whole resume is basically just a breakdown of all his responsibilities in that one job. So I I would describe this as a skills-based resume versus a, a historical resume. And it's not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I'm, I'm just, I'm less used to seeing it in this format. So, so one of the things that I would suggest maybe you just consider just to kind of change things up and see if it maybe gives you any more or less traction is to consider uh, reworking it so that it, it moves in, in chronological, reverse chronological order, uh, going from the bottom being your oldest role all the way up to your most recent role at the top. The, the exercise of, of writing the resume has been a bit challenging in the sense that my role from the start of the business in 2013 was co-founder and CEO. And uh-huh. so the challenge was, I, you know, I, I can't exactly show that right. more traditional mm-hmm. linear uh, yeah. uh, pathway of, okay, well, I was a marketing intern, then I was the head of marketing, then I was the CMO, and then I was right. you know the CEO. There, there, there wasn't any of that. So one of the challenges I had was it it, it didn't take up a right. whole lot of the resume. Is there a way to, to break it up, like the evolution of what you were focused on over the past eight years, even though it is a single role? No, that, that would actually work really well because my role in the business did evolve hmm. over time. So that right. could be a very interesting way for me to do that. Yeah, it could be just another version that you have. And it would also demonstrate a progression in the role. And that's just the common, it's a common format or convention to see in a resume. Here's our next rule. It's great to break conventions, but maybe not on your resume especially now that a lot of companies are using automated software to filter out resumes in the first round. There's a lot of value to conforming to a format that hiring managers are used to seeing. If they can't make sense of your resume right away, they may just move on. Joseph, maybe you can comment on this. I was told that my resume 
was uh, illustrated that I was a doer, but not an achiever. Hmm. And I had no idea what the hell that meant. Well, maybe what's behind people's comments is the doer versus the achiever is typically there's two parts to a, a resume. There is your responsibilities, which is what you did. And I think that's what you're capturing here in your skills at the very top of each section in prose. And then there's your, your accomplishments, which is how well you did those things, typically illustrated by a result ideally quantified. Yeah, I find myself getting defensive on Jono's behalf from that comment that that person made about <laughs> achievement. I'm literally yeah, no, like, it's all but, there. It's, but I think look, it's there. attain yeah. licensing agreements with over 40 universities. <laughs> yeah, no, it's but there. I see it's, what you mean. It's definitely there. What's immediately apparent to me is you've had a, a tremendous amount of impact with your business and the work that you've done and the amount of money you raised. And I think it may come down to just the conventions of a, of a resume, right. what people are used to what seeing in terms expect. of format. Yeah. Make sure your resume showcases your responsibilities and your accomplishments. You're trying to pitch a narrative of progression and evolution. But remember, this isn't the only opportunity you get to tell your story. There's also the cover letter. I, I know that, for example, Resume Lab did a survey earlier this year, and they found that 7 out of 10 hiring managers expect to see a cover letter, even if it's not required as part of the application. And hmm. the vast majority of hiring managers do find them helpful in, according to that same survey. So when I think about a cover letter, it broadly falls into three parts. Um, and each of these could be a paragraph. Um, the first paragraph is why them? So why are you interested in this opportunity? Second paragraph, why you? Why they should be interested in you? And typically you'd include around three key relevant skills that you feel are, are directly applicable to the opportunity. And then final paragraph is next steps or what's next, what you, what you want. Uh, I'd love to be invited for an interview. I'd, I'd love to have the opportunity to be considered for the role. Half of it is just a signal that you've done your research and this isn't just a copy and paste job. You know, we've talked in really nice detail about working on the resume and the cover letter and how we talk to ourselves about all of this and how we set expectations. Do you have any advice for how to really nail the job interview? One of the most important things to do with the job interview is to just get clear on your own narrative with yourself so that when it comes to answering the question, tell me about yourself, you've got a fairly clear narrative in mind that you can say with confidence within that first few minutes of the interview. And uh, practicing, literally saying the responses out loud so that when you do it in front of somebody face to face, that it's not your first time answering the question. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you, Joseph. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanna make sure we close on a positive note here. And I guess, Joseph, could you, could you give us an example of a time in your own experience where things looked especially bleak, but you ended up finding something, a path forward that was rewarding. Yeah, well, I, I can think of a, I mean, there's a very specific moment that comes to mind where I was a few weeks into job hunting here. I actually, we, we lived in, um, my girlfriend at the time lived in Nottingham. So I was commuting down to London, which is about two hours. I mean, my, my phone wasn't working yet. And I, I couldn't figure out how to get like the maps function to work on my iPhone. I had my really heavy bag slung over my, my shoulder and I was literally walking down a highway. And I did eventually find the front door to the place. But it was it was for a job interview to, to market sausages. And okay. I mean, not that there's anything wrong marketing sausages, but like that is not what I envisioned post MBA. Uh -huh. And I felt pretty bad about myself. 
I felt like I'd gone from working in a very reputable white collar job to not having anything lined up. But eventually I, I did find a role, um, but it was, it was hard and uh, it took a little while to get there. And if you talk to people who have reinvented their careers, pretty much every single one of them will say they went through a challenging time, but that it was absolutely worth it. They're much happier now and that they, they wouldn't go back. Absolutely. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time and everyone here at the How To Podcast. Been a longtime fan. First time caller, I suppose. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're very grateful to you for reaching out to us. Um, and, you know, before you know it, we'll be applying to you for a job. So just uh, keep it all in mind. <laughs> Thanks to Jono for sharing his story and his job search with us. And to Joseph Liu for all of his very practical advice. We'll link to his podcast, Career Relaunch, in the show notes. And by the way, if you're looking for an entrepreneurial team player with very cool sneakers, we know just the guy. Get in touch at howtoatslate.com. And that's also where you can always send us your problem that needs fixing. Or leave us a voicemail at 646 495 4001. And we'd love to have you on the show. If you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend. That helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson produces the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. Special thanks to Amber Smith. Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>